Welcome to the Yellow Pill Podcast. My name is Wale. And my name is Toby. Each week, we take on familiar dilemmas and wicked problems that we all face. On the Yellow Pill, you can expect intimate conversations and provocative questions that can change the way you experience the world. So, shall we begin? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another season of the Yellow Pill Podcast. Um, brief intermission before I give you guys the juice you're waiting for. As I said last week, we're kicking off our Yellow Pill Junkie campaign today, this week, tonight, as we're recording this. And that means that right now I'm speaking, there's already our link in the bio for you guys to fill out the survey. So you can pause now, quickly do it, and come back to the episode. Or you can choose to do it when you're done. I'm really up to you. But please, um, as I said last week, I'm not going to jump into much to it now, but I said last week, we want to get to know you guys better and a good way to help us do that is the survey once you open it you probably see how extensive it is and as i said we have amazon vouchers up for grabs which shall announce the values in a couple of weeks all right thank you and god bless yeah boy welcome people to episode one of season nine with the most exciting topic i guess we could come up with <laughs> um but are you saying that sarcastically no, not really. No, like I'm saying it's an exciting topic because, you know, it's one that I also... Anyways, we'll see what you think about it, guys. But uh, Wale's driving, like I always like to say. So, Wale, please get us started. Okay, so when I put up this this topic on the on the sheet, mm-hmm. what were you thinking? Um, I don't think I thought anything... In particular, like, well, I I'm, I initially thought it was something going to be about, you know, dealing with divorce or something, like the post effect of it. Um, but apparently you had a different perspective in mind, which you're going to share right now. So, yeah, I think it was more about, um, I won't call it anticipation because no, no one's anticipating that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have people who call divorce a success because it means it wasn't going to work out. Um, again, different perspectives on things, but. We've all seen on TV and in real life sometimes about people who get divorced. Um, if you read, dive into a lot of um, Malcolm Gladwell or Adam Peterson's books, or even I think even Adam Grant has some work in there as well, you see mm. a lot of them mention Goffman. And Goffman is a key um, scientist in the field of um, facial facial analysis so Goffman has a study that's famous I think for he did like this study where he did an experiment on couples faces okay and pretty much he was able to tell from an interaction in in the experiment what couples would last a certain length in marriage Mm. and I think the main indications were obviously facial analysis but also from how each partner will probably respond to what you might call, you know, defensive words or phrases mm. or subtle jabs. Um, I recommend everybody check it out. Um, it's quite an interesting study. Very old, I think it was like, um, actually, let me check it out right now. Goffman Love Study. Very, very interesting stuff. Like when I saw it, I was quite um, um, 
impressed with it. And I, I think he's turned that into an institute right now. Um, mm. So yeah, I think it's John Gottman. If you check it out, um, I'm sure you enjoy it. But you were talking about the fear of divorce. And the reason why we're talking about this is simple. Um, every divorce comes from a marriage. Every marriage comes from a relationship. A relationship comes from a certain time at which you and your significant other liked each other and tried to start something. And at some point in this journey from strangers to newlyweds slash oldlyweds, whatever the opposite of newlyweds are. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, there, there are a lot of things that happen in that relationship that almost should give knowledge, cues, and sign of what can be. Right? And these knowledge, cues, interactions can be positive. They can be negative. And I thought what we can do is we can both agree that you and I don't want to get divorced at some point in life. Um, and I won't speak for you, but I've thought about what life might look like if you end up with a partner and things are not working out. Mm. Um, because every book in the world has spoken about how hard it is when you finally find somebody to maintain that over the years. Mm. Every book, every movie has said how marriage is a battle you fight for every day. It's not about the wedding days, it's about 20 years, right? You've seen that everywhere. Mm. And as somebody who likes to deep things that way, I have to believe that because it makes sense. Um, because you're with somebody longer than you are alive. All things being equal. All things being equal. Right? So mm. it kind of makes sense for turbulence to be a huge part of something that you have to navigate as a husband, or as a wife, or as a partner. And if your end goal at, at a starting point is to imagine a life where things go relatively smoothly, relatively smoothly, mm. right? That means that you are doing your best to avoid making a mistake in selection. And then I then thought, okay, why don't we talk about how do we make these judgments to avoid such mistakes, given that we can't control everything in the future, right? So what are the things that you do, you know, what behaviors that you see or you look for, you don't look out for, or what are the signs that you think help you eliminate your chances of a marriage that ends in divorce. Mm. Right? Now, given this preamble I've given, what are your, what are your thoughts before I go deeper? Um, I want to say something that I've thought about in the context of like divorce in that sense. Um, I think for me, thinking about all traits and things that you want, that you're maybe watching out for in a partner because you don't want something that is going to sort of like not go the distance. Um, I think for me, I've never, I, I don't put it in the context of divorce. I put it in the context of still relationships as well, because I tend to deep relationships that much. And so even the idea of starting and stopping relationships is not necessarily something I'm keen on as much. Like I'd rather not 
build something as much as a certain level than go through that process of matching and unmatching with so many people. I did not understand. Come again, please. I mean, like when you th- like, although you 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 raise this conversation in the context of like getting married to someone and then trying to avoid separating, right? Like looking like you're saying, what are the traits you try to pick to not like to not encounter that potential? Things that are not that are within your control to not encounter that potential scenario of separating in the future, right? That's the context of the conversation. And I'm um wait no 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 okay it's okay let me let me see what I'm saying again. let me let me do a refresh what I'm saying is naturally yeah whether we agree or not we've got a fear of divorce or an apprehension towards it yeah naturally so right because you 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 want the textbook theoretical fairy tale ending yeah All right agreed fair good now given that belief slash want slash desire regardless of what level you are in that desire means that you're not careless in your selection process or yeah. you are too careful so overly careful yeah and so good so okay do you want to continue or okay you can jump in and no, let so, me see where i've caught up to speed what i'm thinking no so, so what i'm saying is that like for me like when I'm thinking about, I think some people, when it comes to, they distinguish between like selection for marriage and selection for like relationships, right? So it's like, you know, yes, I'll select something for relationships, but I'll still do another selection process within that relationship to then lead towards marriage. Do you get? Really? Yeah. Oh, well, so you don't know people do that. Wait, 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 wait. So yeah. can you can you just say that again? Just so I'm sure that I heard what you said. Wait, say back what you thought that what you thought I said. No, said say back what you said. That obviously before you get into a relationship with somebody, you have a selection criteria. Yes. And then after they've met that criteria and you're together. Yes. You have another criteria again. Not not marriage. me. Not me. Some people not, not like they have another criteria for marriage, but it's that when they are looking to pair up with someone, boyfriend, girlfriend, they're not thinking about marriage. Not everybody thinks about marriage in that initial stage. And so there are some factors that don't come into play. But when things now start to get like a bit more serious on the boyfriend, girlfriend thing, some people then start to try to index on some marriage like metrics is what I'm trying to say. So that point you just raised yeah. is a number of points that I want to raise regarding what the fear of divorce or oppression towards divorce makes us do so, so yes yeah. so okay yeah so, so you said that some people do that and yeah. you don't do that yes uh-huh right okay and you're not doing that is one practice that you have to avoid or reduce the chances of such bad ending or increase the chances of a fairy tale ending because i'm assuming here that there is no part one, part two of first I cried I said I have a selection criteria for when we get together as BF BFGF. Mm. And then when, when we're then in that in that phase, I have another criteria again on my Excel sheet for marriage material. I, mm. I mean, I don't see it that way. Yeah, fair. Let me give an example, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that would help. So one thing I think about, right, is that to help improve my chances of a fairy tale. I must have enough opportunity to get to know the person as deeply as possible. Fair. Right? 
Now, that, that level of depth, you can call that relative. I think it's relative because depth depends on, it's not just knowing by conversation. It's not just knowing by time. Because you can be with somebody for three years and not know mm-hmm. every part of them, right? Yeah. So what that means is, in, the, in, the, in that phase of relationship, I'll be thinking about various scenarios which I can know people in. So one, one, one obvious one is, well, I want to know this person maybe um, deals with problems and crisis. Doesn't mean I'll, I'll give them <laughs> You're introducing it because... <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't mean I'm giving them a crisis. But you want but to be with them. Is, yeah, observing. You're looking out for at those At the things. point when those things happen. Yeah. Th- those will serve as cues. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean like you're in, you're in relationship with somebody and you're, and you're collecting a study on them. <laughs> well, to be fair, you kind of are. Like, I feel like we you, just need to be. Yeah, yeah but let's not yeah. say that because you say that. They say Wally and Toby are I've, doing come- their thing again. <laughs> right? Okay. Okay. So sure. you're not actually right. doing that. All right. Even though we okay. technically are. Because getting to know people okay. is studying people, <laughs> technically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just various ways you can know somebody beyond just going with the flow of talking and sharing birthdays and sharing dates. Mm. But being, a, being observant to every, every kind of pilot scenario that life can throw at you. Yeah. And even when you are down as well, I mean, different criteria. Mm. What do you think about that? For me, like that's all, that's sort of like how I've always built like viewed relationships and and all that. Like um, with the deliberation of I don't know if that's the right way to use that word, but with the intention of it leading to something long term, right? So given so, so given that mindset, do yeah. you then have because of it, because again because of operation of fatal marriage? Yeah. Do you then have a length in time that you think has to be ticked off before you can? Mm. Be sure you'll be with somebody for life. Length by duration, I mean. Yeah. I don't think there's like a... I don't have an exact length in mind, but I would always err on the side of a bit of caution, right? And this is why whenever we have this conversation about talking stages and things like that, you know, I have that extreme view of I can... I'm fine doing a talking stage for like, what, six months, whatever. For me, it's also another way of not introducing other parts of a relationship and getting to know someone that can sort of like influence some of the things that you're getting to know, right? Because, um, so this book I just read, um, How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk, like there's like, uh, he calls it the relationship, some attachment model. And there's like five categories in which you can get to, I guess not know someone, but interact with someone. And there are five different levels. So number one is how much you know them. Number two is how much you trust them. Number three is how much they're committed to you and you're committed to them. Um, number four is, have I said rely? No. Rely. And then number five is touch, right? Okay. And so it's like, you can, you shouldn't move to the next level until, or you shouldn't increase any other, think of them as like, you know, an equalizer um, or your mixer table. Yep. So think of each of them as dials that can go up and down. So the next one, shouldn't go higher than the other one has gone high. So if you don't know someone well enough, you, your trust dial should not be super high, right? If you don't know them, if you don't trust them, if you can't be committed to them, if you can't rely on them, then your touch level should not be higher than the rest of it before. So 
and a lot of these things take time mm. to get to know all of these things, right? Yeah. So for so me, so it's so you're saying that as one goes up, the other should go up at the same kind of ratio. Ratio, exactly. But but but, but you never have an unbalanced exactly number exactly. of levers or whatever that thing is. Yes, exactly. And because and it's also arranged in order of you know which one should come first. Like you should get to know the person before you get to increase your level of trust in the person and all of these things. But back to tie to tie back to what you're saying. I think for me, I think of all of those things as things that take time. Um, and honestly, like, you know, everybody in the first three months of meeting someone, there's a lot of, I don't want to say pretense cause that sounds like a bad thing, but you're not seeing the entire version of the person. You're seeing the best foot forward and people, I think research and whatever has shown that for the first like three months thereabouts, people can still survive putting their best foot forward. But so, slightly after that, certain guards be, start to like drop in which, that Which sense. is why I, I, I put my worst foot forward at the start. <laughs> <laughs> so like, oh my God. You're silly. Uh, you see, but so, so for me, when I saw that, it kind of like validated because like everybody looks at me and like, ah, oh, why you be talking to someone for three months and stuff like that. Now, maybe everybody kind of can have a different definition of what like is going on within those three months. But for me, like, I was still stay on that getting to know level. Um, and yes, we might be getting familiar with each other and whatnot, but to progress things to any next level for me, that certain amount of time has to pass. For me, three months is still too short for me. I think I put in more around like six months. Yeah, but you know, yeah. you're speaking a lot. So by duration, you're focusing your, your point on the pre-exclusive, mm. this is my man, my woman phase. Ah, so you're saying like so post-exclusive. I'm speaking in... Once you're already in that phase. Ah, that, that one, I don't know. That one, I don't know. Um, because, yeah, because the, the, the sometimes, like, I think there's a law of diminishing returns at some point in a kind of way where, you know, any additional time you spend getting to know the person in the context of just being in a relationship um, isn't going to give you any additional information that will be helpful because the rest of it will probably be found out when you guys eventually get married, right? So I think there's a limit to that. Um, so for me, I think the way I would say it is dating and whatever, like before moving things to like a serious, serious level, maybe like six months, might be too long. But from sort of like that point until marriage, I think it would depend on um, the, the individual couple situation. Prefer- for me, I feel like two years is... is I do. Yeah, is ideal. To know. To know. But, but again, like you said, you can spend two years doing absolutely nothing and just going around cycles. Mm. So for me, it's about a deliberate two years of building towards like marriage, I think. How about after your engagement? What do you um, mean? Let's, let's imagine finance is not a problem or whatever. Yeah. Do you think there's also like a threshold period where you get engaged for so long and it becomes diminishing returns effects you mentioned. Um, I feel like the culture also has I mean, about, clearly, yeah, we, clearly. Can't, we can't know the answer because we've never been engaged. Yeah. Let's just put that out there. Yeah. But opinion-based reaction. Reaction. Yeah. yeah, so so my first reaction to that is that it can also be a thing of culture because I think in Jewish culture as well, engagement sometimes take a long time before they convert what into culture? Jewish, Jewish culture. Okay. Yeah, the engagements take a long, like engagements happen and there could be a lot of time that passes before an actual marriage takes place. Um, but I know in, in, in our day and age, a lot of churches, mm. uh, particularly if you grew up in a church um, system or, you know, in church environments, they sort of like discourage um, lengthy 
periods between engagement and marriage because it just creates an unnecessary gap where, you know, yeah, sometimes just creates an unnecessary gap. But the downside to that sometimes that they're not pressure some people to like really, when you start dating six months, what are you getting to know? Just marry and then figure out the rest in, in marriage and stuff like that. So I think there's also that part. But uh, my initial reaction is, I wouldn't necessarily prefer like preference for my would not be to then do an engagement and then like have a lot of time. Like if we're already getting engaged, then what's stopping us from, mm. I guess maybe it's the, it's now the definitions of how we're defining this thing. But how about you? Cause I feel like I'm just answering questions here, but like, you know, what about well, you? in terms of what time after engagement. Yeah. So the two things sort of like, how long would you want to spend to get to know someone before getting married? I gave mine as two years. What's yours? I, I, theoretically speaking. Yeah. Right. Life has not humbled me yet. Thank, thank God. <laughs> um, but I feel for me, yeah, here's a wild answer. Hunch wise, hunch, mm. hunch, hunch wise, six months. Whoa, Interesting. hunch wise, but. Empirically, oh my god, I'm going to slap you. I swear, all right? <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me on. let me distinguish. Okay, punch is sense of you know, you know, like you get make, that feeling. I make a lot of decisions on, on instinct, yeah, right, but also a lot on logic. Okay, and sometimes some things are so huge that I have to merge both. Okay, right? now knowing who you end up with. I think I can figure that out on instinct, hunch, intuition in six months. Mm. Right. But my logic would then need another year and a half, maybe. So, yeah. So, that, there's your answer. But after yeah. engagement, I, I mean, I've never been engaged before. I can ask my friends, but... <laughs> I think the only the only reason why it delays is just to plan the wedding, to be honest. I think once 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 you get engaged, you can pretty much get married the yeah. next the next month or the next week. But what just takes longer is just the planning process. Which is why for me, like my thing about sort of like big weddings comes in. Cause for me, do the engagement, do the court thing and know that we're legally married and then I don't know, I guess it depends on how people like some people sort of like place the church over the like getting officially married and with an officiating mist well actually no, that doesn't count because in the court there's also an officiating person there but anyways some people rank the saturday church thing you know a lot more important than the court thing which technically in the eyes of the law <sighs> technically in the eyes of the law getting married guys <laughs> it's just probably a week after some people drag it no because i know I, I had a friend I had, I had some friends that did the court wedding and they did the white wedding like a year later right so there's also that you know so. yeah so maybe like they just wanted to get married officially they, that kind of i mean everyone yeah. is different to be honest i can't pretend exactly. to know exactly exactly so that's um, why the yeah, engagement engagement let's thing move is on from from, all from of the, that. Um, yeah so another point i want to raise is regarding the fear of divorce and like, apprehension of divorce slash the hope for fairy tale ending and that event that could jeopardize that is advice from family members um mm. what do you do when you find yourself in a position where family members may be advice against your relationship mm. and because sometimes people have said people disregard that i've often given that as a reason 
why things, I mean, I've wished that they listened, rather. Obviously not all. We have success stories despite family saying no. Ah, okay. So just to clarify, so you mean um, in the context of this conversation, family doesn't approve, you eventually get married and then he ends up sort of like in a divorce. And I'm, then, saying, I'm saying as part of ways to reduce our apprehension. Yeah. If a family member does not approve, what does mm. that do for you? Um, mm. Yeah, I've thought about this in some kind of way before. Um, and I think it would depend on the the weight of who that family member is. Um, Your if mother, my mother, or the person's mother. My mother. Okay, let's let's make it, make it personal. Um, I feel like I w- would have to figure out like why, like why would why would come up right, and if if the reason why is something that I guess not just I personally, but most people will consider. Um, quote unquote backward or it's just not a I guess that it would depend from person to person so my okay, mom is so yeah my mom is basically not, it, yeah. it, it, the reason is like a cultural norm reason that there's no logic behind it it doesn't matter yeah well I, I think I'll count it as one of the one of the tests right so if I feel I feel like if I'm trying to get married to I think someone, I met somebody who wanted to marry somebody yeah and if I remember told told them that they've prayed about it and they think that that person's not the right person for them. <laughs> when it comes to like prayer and spiritual ah, things, <laughs> okay, you, you, you yeah. so when finish. it comes to prayer and spiritual things, um, the general consensus and the general advice is yes, someone might have heard something, but until you hear it and see it for yourself, um, you can't run another person's vision. Like God is not shy of speaking and confirming things with you. So that's that that one is a that was like nineteen ninety nine. I know it still happens nowadays, but if you are well grounded in the word, you realize what you need to do in situations like Folks, that. You heard it here first. Thank you very much. <laughs> um. <laughs> But 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 let me even break it bring it closer to home in that sense, right? So sometimes religion is also like a thing. Not let's not even go, you know, Christian Muslim, but sometimes it's like, you know, um from a Catholic background and then you're from Protestant a, a, like a Pentecostal background. Now some folks, some parents and some, you know, families, um so it's not like they don't like you as a human being, but they just feel it's just unnecessary complications to have that cross happen um and some families don't care about it some families do so um i I was in a situation like that and to be fair it it did weigh heavily on me so i never i I hadn't met the parents but i knew that that was a potential like tipping point if this was ever going to go beyond the relationship that this thing um wouldn't be a problem from my side but it seemed like it might potentially be from their side not because um of hearsay but a similar situation had happened with like a senior member in the family. So, you know, I think for me, how I was trying to guard against that was to like meet the family early enough. Um, at least like maybe two years into the relationship, meet the family and even test the waters and see, because a lot of times you can sort of like beat those people into submission in that sense. You get like, <laughs> like if you're just always there and all of that, it's like, cause sometimes they, you know, they, they do that sometimes not as a test, but they say all the things they say, they see how it acts, it impacts the relationship. And if things go wrong, they're like, Shabby, we told you in that sense. But, you know, if the person is still around and there's nothing they can really hold against the relationship in that sense, at least I, I feel like most people then come around to it in a weird way. Um, but anyways, I feel like we're going slightly tangential to this. But No, it, it's a good point because yeah. I have thought about what if my parents do not 
I, mean, I don't think that's possible. Yeah. Given, given the conversations that we've had over time. Um, and, and given, given the number of things that they've let me choose for myself, mm-hmm. that the wife will now be the where they put the, their hand. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. But I've just thought, what are the possible reasons why they can say no? Mm. Um, I think that would vary by parents. Exactly. But as you said, the religion one is interesting because with a Christian background, the question is, would you, would, you even, would you marry somebody who is not a Christian? Mm. Question one. And if you happen to eat the love bug <laughs> the, with, the, with, the, with the lovely woman who is not Christian, then what do you do about that? Yeah. Do you just hope that things work out? Do you, do you leave that problem for later? Mm. Mm. Do you say, I'll tackle it now and figure out what we're going to do? Or do you, do you introduce them early or do you say, you know, introduce them later and wait till we fall, fall deeper in love and stuff like that? Mm. So I think I'm looking in the sense that I don't really see my parents objecting based on any kind of criteria because the only thing I can think about is bad character or something, which is character some, or something yeah, like that, which, which, wouldn't, yeah. which they would not even make me even sense because if we're not even in the same location. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But also, yeah, I just don't see how, Somebody that I'll end up with will have a character so appalling yeah. that will freak out my mother. Yeah. You know, I've also thought about this question and actually in the reverse. So not, it's like... Or oh, if, if our partner's yeah, parents... Par- okay. Yeah, yeah. You know what? <laughs> I'm just going to say it right now. I have a very good thing with parents. Um, parents generally oh, okay. tend to love me. And if if one person doesn't love me, I, I know that this is this is this is a problem. Yeah, because no. I've had a good streak <laughs> since I was born. <laughs> yeah, I, I I you know like same same with me. Like I've never encountered like I face the opposite issue where I feel like parents or friends and things like that um seem to place me on a very interesting like pedestal, which I don't necessarily enjoy being a lot of times, but um. Sometimes that, that fear does come in that, you know, you might meet someone and they're absolutely great and you think they're great too and everything is just perfect and, you know, <laughs> the family conversation that comes up. me, bro, I will graft. <laughs> I will you... graft my asset. Graft, by graft just means Love I will work hard. I would, <laughs> I would work, bro. If a dad doesn't like guys that, that, that are slim, slim athletic, yeah, I'll become fat, Albert. <laughs> but you're saying things that, that, that are possibly within your control. What if it's something that's not within your control or against your beliefs? Fair enough. Yeah. If you don't like that, I'm Nigerian, then... Yeah. Yeah, really- <laughs> I, can't, I can't really renounce my, my country, can I? Um, Bro. Yeah. Can I? <laughs> you say can I? Like, with the hope, with the hopeful, jokes, t- jokes, with the hopeful jokes, tune jokes, in his voice. Jokes, um, jokes, jokes. But yeah... Um, but yeah, right. And what if something I cannot control? That's a yeah. very good point, to be honest. I haven't thought about it like that. Yeah. Um, I, I I really hope not. Because yeah. that would be very sad. It it would be. Like um, family is important. What of what of well, I'll let you finish that thought or maybe finish it now. But the one I was gonna say is um families not liking each other. Right. So they like like they're fine with you 
and your family is fine with her, but during whatever interaction, the family yes, just don't to me, mix. To me, that's, they're, they're all adults. They, look, if they don't like themselves yeah. and they approve of each it, they approve us of us like together, but they have bone beef. Yeah. Honestly, take that beef out to, to the WWE ring and settle, <laughs> and settle it. Oh, um, gosh. Because I say that because the way I treat my parents, like talk to them, it's almost in a way whereby I hold them accountable for a lot. Then, I mean, right now, mm. right? If my mom says something like, um, oh, I called you and this happened, and, and then maybe she could have done something different. I'll be like, well, why don't you do this? Like, this is my bad, but here's your bad. <laughs> All right. Like, we're at that level now. Yeah. So I feel like if it comes to my spouse's family and I, and, I, and I tell them, like, can we just be civil just for me? You can hide your disdain, but for me, just be civil. And they refuse that. Then I'll just prevent the interactions mm. and I'll live life. Because I don't think I can be bothered Obviously, it's going to be bothered. It's going to be bothered. It's going to bother me, but I can't be bothered in as much as I would bothered if it is one of us that yeah that have disapproval. Mm. You know what's actually funny? Speaking of disapproval, is um, I actually faced that a little bit. I think when I was younger, mm. um, with my one of my very first girlfriends, um, and it was quite subtle because. You know when, like, you get a sense that people think you're not good enough, even as young as you are, like, you're 19, mm. Mm. right? Like, that, that, that sense reeks. You can smell it. You can, you can taste it. And I got that sense. I, I remember one day I got that sense and everything. And me, knowing who I am now, I think if I got that sense now, I don't know what I would do. I'm, I might try and show, change their mind or whatever. But yeah. I remember that relationship very well when I got that sense. But I just didn't, I, I, I didn't know enough about these this kind of conversations mm. to even change anything. Yeah. Because I, the... I just went home and sulked. Mm. I carried on the next day. Numb. I, didn't, I didn't change any action. Mm. And looking back, I realized like, that just shows how much, well, maybe naive and young yeah, I was. At that time. But just also how much all of life we've come to learn and know, like, when, this, when things like this happen, you can't just even, like, at least talk about it to a point whereby you're trying to make shift or digest the concern they have and see how you can yeah. reflect on yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm just, my point <laughs> is, like, if it was, if it didn't feel nice then, as young and nice, as young as and younger naive as I was, mm. it'll feel a lot worse. Yeah. Now. Now. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, another one. Let's talk mm-hmm. about. Um, signs of defect now a lot of times you know people people might have built up a lot of emotional engagement with their partners mm-hmm. and sometimes you might have some little bit of signs here and there that sprinkle you know like cinnamon on pancakes 
but you just you just eat it and taste it and just ignore just think of cinnamon as just as salt instead, but just ignore it. And obviously over time it comes back and it, and it builds up. We've heard we've seen many stories and books, mm. movies about people think that oh the partner's gonna change, but when they got married, it got a lot worse. Mm. So I guess I'm gonna ask you and say like, do you ever think that well, I know the first answer I'm going to, first, first I'm going to ask you, that's probably yes, but I'm going to ask you, do you have a, like, no sign of defect in your partner? Probably no, mm. sorry. Yeah. But also, is there any case you can be in with, with a woman in the future where you're so in deep that you ignore some things that you probably would not ignore? <laughs> um, so it's, there are different ways I could answer or come about sort of like sharing my perspective here because... Particularly when you don't spot these things in your talking state. I'm to- yeah. spotting them only when you're in deep. You're in deep. Yeah. So for me, I think, you know, um, I take the covenant of marriage and the idea of marriage very seriously. So um, if, if what, what I, whatever I find past that, I know we can, I can speak idealistically right now and, you know, things could be very different, but... My perspective right now is that, you know, getting to the marriage point and crossing that bridge, because of how serious I tend to take that decision, whatever I, that comes after that, um, you know, it's to really take it in stride. And, you know, hopefully you've chosen a partner that, you know, you can talk about and walk through these things. It might not get solved immediately, but, you know, that's something that's there, right? Especially if it's something that you didn't spot earlier on. Um, in the other case, I feel like sometimes, you know, even in a relationship aspect, you're kind of like, in a bit deep and you start to see certain things um and there's a there's sort of like this balance between you coming down to see if you're overreacting or if it's like a thing you should be concerned about but then what's that time of calming down your reaction and then identifying it as something that is a flag in that sense so it's it's almost very it's very tricky because then maybe you spot something and you're like oh maybe it's just me bringing in trauma from previous experiences and reflecting right. it and imposing it on this so can let you me give an example um uh, hypothetically it's like listing someone's red flags yeah hypothetically speaking um so maybe maybe the person has a weird relationship with money right okay um so yeah just a weird relationship that you you're not sure what it is but the first time you spot it you're like okay this is a bit weird but again you think maybe it's too early for you to bring up something like that and maybe it's just you like imposing something that's happened before on your current relationship so maybe in the previous relationship you're in when the person did xyz it meant xyz so you're now trying to gauge but it's not like how long do you wait because sometimes you some people say oh bring it up immediately you feel it but Imagine if you're the other partner on the receiving end and every time something that feels like a yellow flag or whatnot comes up, your partner is always like, hey, come on, you did something that I'm not super like comfortable with. I think if you do that once, maybe it's fine. Like three, four, five times, it starts to become a very weird situation. So a lot of, I don't know. But anyways, I think the point I'm trying to make here is that um, I, I've been reading a lot and seeing that, you know, marriage, what it tends to do is amplify everything, right? So it's like decide on what it is that you're fine being amplified to any whatever level. And then, you know, you know, if you, if that point is something that you feel like if this was amplified to an extreme, I wouldn't be comfortable with it. Then that's like a good gauge. Honestly, there's no science to this. Um, it's usually just an art of feeling what's happening in the conversation. But yeah, um, to answer your question directly, um, which was, again, if you remind me, I feel like I lost the plot a bit. And then the signs that you might signs signs of defects that you might ignore. Ignore because um, you're in too deep. 
yeah so exactly so um the thing you added at the end because i'm into deep i don't think i'd ever use that as a reason to still ignore a sign um so i would only ignore a sign because i felt that it was something that wasn't a deal breaker um and maybe it was just a matter of personal like preference or whatever or just something that maybe i need to grow out of what's making that an issue for me because in reality it's not necessarily an issue um per se i like that yeah that's a very nice answer <laughs> i have to listen back to it but yeah i think i get the vibe <laughs> i like that it's a yeah because you take into perspectives one of the, is the issue one that's a deal breaker and is it one that i can handle if he's raised about five mm. Yeah, but also is the issue an issue because I'm not mature enough to see it as a non-issue. Yeah, yeah, which is a very, very Adam Grant answer. Yeah, it's almost like Shout I think Adam of, Grant, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's almost that I think it's a it's a thing of not classifying too many things as outside your control, right? Because if it's something that has to do with the other person, like yeah, they're then putting all the power in the other person, but sometimes. It sounds goody to shoes, but you can't, you, in some situations, when you reframe something, it can position you better to kind of like. You know, I used to be very good at spotting signs of defect. Yeah. Or rather, perceived signs of defects. Let's mm-hmm. use that word, because <laughs> the signs were always objective. Yeah. They're a problematic reflection of my myself. <laughs> um, I used to be so good at figuring out why things, by, by used to, I mean, pre-2020, pre-2019. Okay. Um, like, oh, bro, like, I, I, had, I had an A, A plus in that <laughs> exam of spotting reasons why things kind of work. work out. Yeah. And honestly, the last point you raise is the change I've had as a mm. human being the last three years mm. is knowing that a lot, some of the things that I spot, I've not been mature enough to ignore them or see mm. them as non-issues mm. or see them as part of an imperfect, perfect person. Mm. that probably is not for me anyway mm. but in their own way they are yeah and i think knowing that means that you don't want to control less you let some things go more and mm. it's a lot more freeing yeah um oh oh yeah bro it's a lot more freeing um and it also enables you practice that mantra of let her win some not because, okay, by the way, I'm not talking about drug abuse here. <laughs> so she's not winning drug abuse. Drug abuse is, we're not going anywhere with that. Like, I don't understand right? why it's even as an example that just gives it. <laughs> no, I don't that. give that as like an extreme case. Yeah. Okay. Right? Sure. Because like, oh, well, at least you can never win anything. No. Yeah. I mean, simple things. Yeah. Um, because we never see the parts that she's letting, that, that she's winning. No. That never she's letting you the, win. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And even when we see, we may not even know that it's as... Because we can't quantify the levels of what we think is a big deal for us versus what she thinks is a big deal for her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because for us, for, for us, what she's doing, if she's like... If she like drags her feet on the floor, for example, maybe <laughs> that's like a five. Oh, for you, who's just like... Um, I don't know what the guys do that are quarantining. One thing I do that I actually realize that it's quite annoying, that probably annoying for a woman who lives with me is yeah. whenever I open cupboards, don't I don't shut them. <laughs> Bro, my, my house <laughs> went to kill you. I was going to mention this, that. So I know, you know, cohabitation <laughs> is, cohabitation has been, sh- I, it's a side slash tra- slight sidetrack, but I'll bring us back on track. Um, you know, 
um, there's all there's a lot of studies about cohabitation and how you know people. I still watched a video today that the person was recommending it, but you know, data has shown that um, cohabitating couples are like the data shows that they're less likely to have like their marriages are less less good. I don't know how to phrase this, but you get what I'm trying to say, right? So if you cohabitate before sort of like getting married, it doesn't increase your chances of staying married or being in a happy marriage, right? Because there's just a lot of that that goes into it. Um, but, you know, living with someone that you're not in a romantic relationship with, but isn't like the opposite sex, would actually show you a lot, <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> that actually is a very, very good point. <laughs> would actually show you a lot of things. And I feel like that's been my experience over the last like two years. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's fascinating, bro. So like, I feel like it's, yeah. It's fascinating. Let's just say it's fascinating. And honestly, you get it from living with women in the house. Like if you have sisters, like there's there's that as well. So for yeah, you know, <laughs> as we're saying this, I, I think I'm I'm beginning to bring back a lot of things I've buried from my sister's screams. Because <laughs> now I'm beginning to hear my, my sisters call my name in a screaming way. In a screaming way, head. like yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, and but what, what, oh my what, god, is that is that what marriage is like? <laughs> And the reason I remember was just this thing you said about like, you know, trying to pick out what somebody else does that is. Um, yeah. So by my, by my own rights, like I think I'm a neat guy. Um, but, you know, when you encounter someone that's a lot neater than you are, you realize that because I've also lived with people that are not neat. And I've always prided myself as someone that like, bro, like, why are you doing this thing in that sense? But then I've now I've met my <laughs> my ogre in that sense. And. It's so, it's, it's so weird now. We have this weird dynamic where I'm, when, when something is wrong, like I might not see it when it's done, but if I enter the kitchen and she's standing there, my eyes immediately start seeing all the things that I forgot to do. <laughs> Bro, you're traumatized, man. Bro, every single time. Like, but, and it's weird because um, now when it, like, so she, she traveled for a bit and then we had a, like an Airbnb guest. And so, like, I entered the kitchen and I just saw certain things and I was like, oh, jeez. Like, uh, I've kind of, like, imbibed some of that some as of well. Her, yeah, yeah, I'm like, jeez, no. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's kind of, like, um, sidetrack. But, yeah, let's, let's get back and to that's it. actually interesting, to be fair. I think, yeah, um, yeah I think signs of defect. I think, I, think, I think what you said at the start is still what probably, for now, we should conclude as the mm. important point is. Mm. Um, when, when you find defects, think about whether you can, I mean, I'm not going to recommend anything to anybody. <laughs> when I find defects, I'll think about, um, <laughs> well, why are you laughing? I know, it's just the way you absolved yourself of any. <laughs> <laughs> nah, this ain't no relationship advice. We don't do true, that here. True, true. We don't do that here. Um, we actively here. avoid that. If you haven't noticed, guys, we actively avoid giving relationship advice. Um, yeah. But go on. I'm, I'm I'm a very big fan of. Okay, I'm not going to digress. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the point you raised was um knowing what you can handle, and mm. knowing whether you can handle that in a magnified scale, raise to power ten. Yeah. And knowing whether what you're pointing out as a defect is also maybe a case of you not being mature. No, maybe mature is a strong word, but you get the point. Yeah. Mature enough to see it as a non-issue. Issue. Yeah. That's yeah. a very good. Arithmetic ending to that. Um, another point to raise is 
And this one is one that, oh God, <laughs> I think is very important. And this is one that definitely crosses my heart as I'm going forward in life. Okay. Is starting a continued relationship with lying and secrecy. Mm. This is my biggest one. Like, one of the things I've been thinking about lately is, you know, like now we said I have like an idea and a vision to have like a PDF file yeah. of myself. Yeah. That that idea has been hitting home even more because when you realize that you have so much I don't call it baggage, but you have so much context, colorful browser history. <laughs> this phrase again. I think you always have to no, nigga, not you. I think yeah. I really want to be somebody who starts something without any line of secrecy. Um, because I think it kind of haunts me sometimes. Mm. Um, because there's a freedom I've realized in the last one year. Freedom from saying the things that you feel in your heart that are true. I just always feel, feel lighter when I walk. I feel better. I feel like Life is just, particularly when I am asked, because if, 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 um, if I bring it up myself, it often comes up as sometimes blunt abrasive, and, yeah. and I, abrasive. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Tell me news, about news, it. News, news wants to hear, but yeah, if you're asked, then. when you're asked and you know that the answer might be detrimental to the person, but you still say the truth, as much as you're sad that they're sad, you're relieved that. You, you gave an honest answer. Mm, yeah. I agree. I agree with that. It's, it's like a very paradox feeling. I think the guy who wrote the dictionary of obscure sorrows needs to add that feeling <laughs> to his list. Um, the feeling of being sad about your honesty because, because of, of the hurt that is doing or the, the discomfort. Yeah. But equally satisfied with the fact that you feel free mm. from that burden yeah. of knowledge so you know like if you came at me with this like a month two months ago um i would like wholeheartedly um sort of like agree no questions asked and things like that um but now i think there's maybe a bit of a balance to it um, that I'm still figuring out because I, th- I think sometimes when we, because there's this rule of, or this whatever dynamic of, obviously if the person asks for something, then you've sort of like volunteered that information truthfully. Um, I'm now beginning to realize that maybe there's a thing as over communicating certain things. Um, and I'm still, again, I don't have the answer to this. I'm still trying to figure out what the balance is. but. Sometimes you run the risk of like sharing truthfully and honestly. Um, but the person that you're sharing with with, like what they are hearing is like, I don't know if it's overwhelming or whatnot, but like I I I guess it also ties to this point that you're making about sharing the truth and the person them being sad. But it's almost like you them being misunderstood, um, you know, because of the truth that you've shared, because Maybe you've imag- you've processed it and that's all fine with you. And then you then lay it all out the way you've processed it, but you're not taking it into consideration 
the tools that the person has at their access or the information mm. the person has at hand to process what you're saying. Because at the end of the day, you can send, um, I'm going to borrow this illustration that somebody used from, from a completely different context. And anybody that knows the original message, you realize this. But remember when we had the smart, uh, the not smartphones, the feature phones, the Nokia phones where you could send MMSs to people. But mm-hmm. if you sent an MMS to someone that didn't have a phone that had the capability of interpreting it well, let's not even go far. When you send a smiley that only Apple recognizes and you send it to an Android phone and it just comes as a black square, you know? So that's the thing. Like you've packaged all what you want to say so very well, but when you've sent that information to, it doesn't have the tools of processing it the same way you've delivered it. So what they are getting is not necessarily what you're sending, right? Even though you've communicated all the honesty. So I think the, the caution that I'm saying that I'm thinking I have to take a look at moving forward is like yes you want to be honest and nobody's asking you to lie but you know also don't just communicate for yourself to get the weight off your chest right um the end goal should not be to for you to feel light that should be a byproduct of communicating what the next person needs to hear um in the way Mm, that yeah that's that's interesting but it's also sounds it sounds it sounds like I'm taking responsibility for something that shouldn't be yours, but I'm just saying, like, it might be a bit selfish to just take the weight off you by communicating, even though you feel like at the end of the day, zero. I think are... it depends on what we're talking about here. So, if my good friend has an exam, mm-hmm. and I've been told by her brother that her mom just had a God forbid, she just had asthma attack, something mm. simple. And I've known that for three hours. And I see her about to go for her exam. Obviously, I'm not going to tell her because she has an exam. Now, yeah. even, though, even though I'm burdened to say the truth, speaking to her and driving her to the exam, walking her to the room, I can't tell her until she's done. Right? So that one, that is selfish to... To let to let to let go of that knowledge, knowing that she's gonna crash and burn in her exam, right? But here's where I don't think it's selfish. If it's like a relationship or a friendship, mm-hmm. whereby currently there is a stalemate, there is a friction. There is some allergies in your relationship that's making you guys sneeze up and down. And, oh my God. and you guys know that something is wrong. Yeah. But maybe what is wrong is something that you know about and she doesn't know or he doesn't know. Mm. Right. And they're not in a good place to hear it. Right. But obviously, your relationship that is, that is having allergies is clearly bordering them mm. still. I think you have to say it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I get that. And I didn't, I didn't say what I said um, as a zero and one thing because I think this is yeah. always going to be like... No, a, I definitely get what you're saying because yeah. some people also get off... So I think what you're trying to say is some people get off from that idea of, oh, I'm a blunt guy. Yeah, exactly. I'm exactly. a blunt guy, you know. You know that's just me, innit? I'm just yeah. like as blunt as the hammer. So the way, so they wake up one morning. Yeah, they wake up one morning without and... any emotional IQ uh-huh. to to um drop things. Yeah, in yeah. certain ways, I get yeah. that. Yeah, 
But going back to the point of being scared of divorce, mm. it makes you think about, you know, sometimes that like, you meet somebody, but you can't be sure. Again, I speak as if I've lived for 500 years. <laughs> but you meet somebody, but you can't be sure. What, you, at the point where you meet them, you just don't know whether this is going to be your partner for life. Mm-hmm. And there's something that, that you just may not tell them, honestly. Like, you, you, there's something you may lie about. Mm. Right? And then, five months in, they are your girlfriend or boyfriend or yeah. partner. But you haven't gone back to revisit that lie. Now my, my question is, <laughs> what, what kind of lie can be okay to ignore, forget the starts, and not bring up later? And what kind of lie can you not, can you not forgive There'll be a deal breaker for the relationship down the line. So for me, I'd I think I'd like to differentiate between like a lie and an unspoken truth. <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry I have to do this because no, like, no, 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 yeah, you should, you should, you should, you should, yeah, yeah, because you know, lies are no matter how small a lie is. I think choosing to use that as a medium or whatnot. For me, it's it's a bit unnecessary, particularly when the stakes are completely low. So, so that's the people say small lies and white lies and things like that. But I'm like, if the stakes are already so low and you still feel the need to, you know, speak a, a thing that is not true, like what happens when the stakes are much higher than they are now? So that's why for me, lies are not like. So, for example, if I don't mention, or maybe the person doesn't mention that maybe their parents are separated or something, right? So like, that's not them not saying it or. Speaking, maybe when I asked about their mom and their dad, they don't give a direct answer. But you know, you you know when someone asks you if the person's parents are together, you can't exactly say that they are, but you can't say that they are not. You know, you just don't really know. And then you then find out that they are separated. And maybe the reason why they kept it from you is because some people have personal preferences about all of those things, right? So I think that's a bit different. But like outrightly, like something, even if the relationship is built up built up on it or not. But like, where did you go to school? Like, it doesn't really matter. And the person says they went to Stanford or whatnot. And then you find out that the person didn't go to Stanford. Like, for me, it's like, the stakes were so low. So why? Like, for me, it's just a question. It's a leading indicator of so many more things, which is why I said I have to differentiate between, like, an unspoken truth and, like, an outright lie, even if it's a small one. How about secrets? So secrets as big as... Secrets that can impact you and your kids. Secrets or lies that can, that can change who they might appear to be in front of you. Hmm. Um, secrets like, about people that, like examples. Like, would you mean like maybe medical, maybe like medical things? Challenges yeah, medical like is one. Yeah. Um, medical is one. Previous relationships, another. Um, mm, financial okay. things. Mm. Um, backgrounds. Um, so many things. Yeah. So I think. Um, this kind of like ties in my head where I look at it, it ties to like the, the red flag or like thin issue that we spoke about because the way I'm thinking about it, if we're in a serious relationship and um, obviously me, the way I approach relationships is try to find out all of these like core things that matter. Um, and if it's something that I've directly asked about and you've not said the truth and then you then come out later, whatever, and then say it's like, it's going to be a difficult conversation, right? Obviously, everybody mm-hmm. has the reasons why they do things, but I feel like that's definitely like a bridge that needs to be crossed very carefully. Um, 
in, in that sense. So that that's how I'll think about it. Like maybe health issues and things like that. Um, again, you know, maybe there are different health issues that people. For them, it's fi- some people. So, and that's the thing, because people do it both ways. Some people like before they you even get to know them like really, really well. They because they've gone through issues where they talk to someone, they get attracted to someone. They, they just does, they just give you everything. They at give once. everything at once, and like they give that TED talk of 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 of, of a medical chart slash PD. Yeah. Everything comes in, man. Yeah, Jeez. and and it can be quite scary. Like if there's no, well, I kind of like that to be honest. Um, I th- honestly, I think it would. I think maybe because naturally I'm really faced by things. Yeah. But I've not met anybody who's told me lots at once. And I've been like, <gasps> oh my God, this is too much. I have never. I often yeah. like, I think I already know that everybody and me has their own like some, some kind of like 60 kilograms of luggage behind them. Yeah. And, and finding out what it is is only a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you find out earlier. It's, yeah. Sometimes you can carry with them and every month you go with them, you shed off some of, some of the luggage of the boxes. Yeah. That's my theoretical dream about it. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. So, 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 so just I know, jumping on no, this. I know, I know this is harder. It's not everything you can talk about with one person. Yeah. But lately women who've been to traumatic experiences and stuff. Mm. On my and men too. Men too, yeah. Um, I think the timing of when these things come up is also kind of like key, right? Because you know, if it feels like the person then trapped you into something that you had the right to make a decision to know earlier, about, to yeah, know earlier. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. That, like I said, be, the, those kinds of things it it damages the foundation of like the relationship. Foundation, like it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Foundation is shaky, yeah, yeah. And and, and another thing is also personality as well. Um, listen, people are just it's like naturally moody personas mm. and they just tell you something like oh crap <laughs> <laughs> but it's people who, who can like make bad news deliver in in ways that still I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense but <laughs> I, th- I think it also depends on, on who is you, you can get the same news from two different people and feel and, and feel differently yeah 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 um Another point we should we talk about quickly is uh, mm-hmm. in having in trying to have a, a partnership that will have the fairy tale ending as we've seen on Disney. Which do we think that some before. people diminish the importance of appearance, hmm. or do you diminish that? <laughs> um, honestly, I feel like this is one of those ones where. It depends on where on the spectrum you are. Like, for me, the way I think about them is speak about myself. Um, there's certain things I used to optimize for early on um, that are still on my list or on the things that I look out for, but they're not as high up anymore, but they're still there. Um, for me, this, like, beauty thing is, like, I've seen how it's affected and it's made me make certain decisions, and I've seen the results of the decisions, and I've seen other situations where... Maybe I didn't think the person was my kind of cute. And mm-hmm. so I wasn't really pursuing anything. But somehow... My kind of cute. So you have to be very <laughs> diplomatic when you... That's actually cute. <laughs> um, and, and so like when you then start to... But I've seen in those same situations where some random life events brings me and that person a lot closer than... 
I would have if I was the one making an, an attempt. And then you get to know the person a lot more. But that becomes a very funny situation because then when you don't have a meet cute story in that thing, <laughs> people like their meet cute stories. But anyways, I think for me, um, obviously you have to be attracted to someone. Like I, I have to be attracted to someone um, more than just the physical because more than just the physical, I think there's other things that also like are attracted to me as well. And they all kind of like complement and work together. So um, yeah. I hope that answers the question in the kind of way. So I, I, I do factor it in and I know a lot of people diminish it, diminish, diminish it in a, in a kind of way. And I think the point I was going to make was that the further along the line you are in that process, the less some of these things might matter. Like if you're a 40 year old or 45 year old about like, for whatever reason you still haven't married and then you find someone, I think you might not index as much on certain things as you would have when you were 25 is what I yeah of course of yeah. course i'm uh, yeah, you know, if you don't, if you don't, don't. <laughs> exactly so so i think i think the younger we are and the not just in age but in life experiences the more luxury you have to over index on certain things um or index on certain things above other things um and then the more you know life experiences you get under your belts the more whatever works for you becomes more apparent. And some people, they, they stick to that. Like, it's their thing. Like, you know, and all of that. They don't want light-skinned girls. And so that's who they're going to end up with. That's fine. So. More grace to your elbow, brother. I feel like we need, to, elbow. we need to add a soundtrack whenever you do your side because it's become, it's become, <laughs> it's become an actual thing. <laughs> when you do your deep side and it packs a lot of meaning, like. <laughs> whatever um so i guess the final thing we talk about in terms of avoiding or looking out for or considering an apprehension for damaging marriages is obviously things is well two main things in one infidelity and financial problems um Mm. financial problems is one thing that i think maybe maybe not in Nigeria, given where we're coming from, but I know in the US because of the Debt. credit card student 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 loan culture, um, or system rather, not a culture system. Mm. Um, I think we've seen a lot more stories from those sides of the world where people obviously rack up these debts, some knowingly, some unknowingly, mm. some unlucky, some some warranted, and when they find partners, it's like. At the, at the point of dating a courtship or whatever, it's not, really a, it's not really a big deal. But when they're married, these financial issues then come back to start biting. Yeah. Um. So I guess I won't say I don't know if we are lucky that we don't mm-hmm. have that system in back home for it to create such scenarios in excess. Mm. We have our um, own fair share of um pressures i think i think for our own if, if someone's coming with problems it's often spiritual problem <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking it's not but it's but, not it's not a lie yeah. it's not it's, it's not a lie it's not, it's not a lie okay the spirits everywhere though like so yeah exactly so maybe the spiritual problems in the u.s as well as manifesting as death so <laughs> <laughs> true that's an angle i like that i like oh, that God. i like that um, um Oh, well, I guess then the one that definitely reaches across everyone, regardless of your culture, is um, infidelity. Infidelity, yeah. Um, that one is an interesting one. Um, yeah. Do you think 
do you think if people survive infidelity during courtship, actually, sorry, what do you think doesn't matter because this is an empirical question. Yes. But what, what, what do you think thoughts? about? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts about? Yeah. yeah. What, what are thoughts about infidelity during? Um, courtship. Courtship. That they, you move on from it. What are your thoughts about that? I'm moving on to marriage. Like. Hmm. Versus, I want, I, I, and I wonder whether, I wonder how it feels for people who've been through that and, and then they're not married. I wonder whether they are stronger or, I mean, maybe, maybe probably depends. Yeah. I was going to say that. I think it depends on the context surrounding um, the, 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 the issue and how much they've actually like dealt with it. And also honestly on the personalities and, um, growth and maturity or whatever no, not maturity but just the different personalities involved as well um, yeah. I do think it, it varies because we can also apply that to infidelity within marriage as well um, because that also happens and some couples decide to stay together and for some it's a deal breaker um, yeah. but the truth of the matter is that whatever, whenever it happens um, the relationship that continues after that is not the same relationship um, that existed before Mm. Um, and you just have to come to terms with that and figure, figure it out. Um, I've had my, like in, in its own version, I've had an exposure to that. Um, and honestly, my reaction within it was not, if you'd asked me in a conversation prior to that, I might have given a different answer. So the reality of the matter is that if, well, we don't wish this on anybody, but if you find yourself in that situation, you can't really be prepared for how you react because it would really mm. just depend on the context that um of, of what has happened. But I think what remains core that I've seen and you know heard and read is that like it, it really has it has to be dealt with. Like it can't be shoved under the rug. I think that's the worst thing to do or an unadvisable thing to do. Um mm, mm, in mm. that sense. So because again like you know we've seen it particularly I think particularly when it happens to folks in the like that are maybe leaders in churches or religious organizations, like it always seems to be publicized quite a lot. Um, and I feel like that also actually adds a bit of difficulty because even if the woman want or in the man, whatever, whoever was on the receiving end of it, even if they wanted to continue, I think there's always a lot of like outside eyes trying to say what you should or shouldn't do in that kind of situation. Right. And so, um, I think people that are in limelights don't have the luxury of dealing with some of the issues privately, which sometimes can be helpful um, mm, mm. Um, in, in, certain re- in certain situations. But yeah, it, it is a big issue. Don't wish it on anyone. It's just a lot of... It can be... Like, I'm, I'm thinking... It's, it's weird because I can't exactly speak from experience per se because the context was also very, very different. Yeah, but yeah. even the little of it... Um, yeah, it's just... It raises so many questions in so many different directions and it just forces you to deal with something that you just think in your head that why am I having to deal with this? Like, mm. it, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and it does, like, it has different effects on, like, moving forward. Again, it's just something that has happened to you. It has happened to you. It's whatever, whatever it is. And you kind of, like, just have to, like, carry it on and put it in its proper place. If not... It can raise its heads in very interesting ways. From my personal experience, is what I've um, is what I would say. Mm. Yeah, and I think I think that's a very good point because 
I mean, as I always say, like, sometimes you don't, you don't have to have experience or something directly to know how deep you can be. Mm. Um, based on every anecdote out there. Um, and I think this conversation has just been to unpack a couple of things that are up for consideration to help battle the apprehension or the desire for battle the desire and I can't battle the desire to help battle the apprehension of of a troubled marriage um, which is what the end goal of which is what which is the end goal we both want one day mm. um, undeniably um, and I think talking about things like this I like it because when you talk about something and you act the opposite tomorrow, if you feel like a fraud, it sets you up for <laughs> to become better. Mm-hmm. And I think if I put it out there in the open, it's almost like me putting up a goal in the open, right? Mm-hmm. And it helps you orient yourself better, I think. That's what I think. And I think we also spoke about this because the key fact is eventually, even though we spoke about different factors and things that can happen, some people have these things happen together. Mm. Right, not just one, 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 but some people have the, some people can have the all these things together group. like this, yeah. you know, and, and 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 still move forward, yeah, you know. Um, but the point of this is just reflect and think about ourselves as we navigate this journey towards um, finding um, God's chosen one, as um, as David would say on on Instagram. <laughs> uh, David, creates. man, jeez. Yes, no, no, not David. Not David. Okay, the other one. No, the other David. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The other David. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, this has been good, man. Um, so guys, this topic is not over yet. Um, as you know, next week we'll be diving into the movie The Marriage Story, starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, to explore the how divorce is played out in this fantastic movie i think it's about 25 on imdb and until then i will break this movie down on the podcast in the next episode to just look at themes we can find from today's conversation in that movie and perhaps use that movie as another lens to frame mm. things we can look out for and things we can improve on and things we can call ourselves out on as well and we hope you join us for that that should be really amazing um once again at the end of the episode, thank you for listening and making this far. Um, Yellow Peel Junkie campaign is still going. Um, survey is out in our bio. Please, please support us by filling it up. It won't take you too long. It will help us get to know you better. We'll love not- nothing more this year than mm. to get to know you guys better. Um, Toby, any last words before we close the show? Um, no, well, kicked off. We've kicked off a season. Should be an exciting twenty weeks. I remember this time. Um, looking forward to reviewing the marriage story because that's going to be a different kind of episode as well. So, um, and again, like you yeah. said, <laughs> like you said, this was a interesting kind of episode. Um, an interesting kind of solo as well. Uh, for the both of us in, in that sense, and it's one that I'll probably just go back to and listen to because, yeah, I think there's a lot. Like I always say, some of these things that whenever we have these conversations, some of the things that we say are things that are formed and thoughts that are formulated on the spots that for us as well feels like whenever we're listening back to it, you're also speaking to yourself again from like a very out of body experience kind of thing. But anyways, word, word, um, word. 
just to say that we are also podcast listeners, so we'll probably have to fill the survey as well. Um, yellow yep, junkies. Yep, yep. <laughs> that was so convoluted, but yeah, <laughs> that's my final word for you guys. Um, this lovely, whenever you're listening to this, um, but it's a lovely evening for us. Might be a lovely morning for you, but all the same. Lovely. Um, if you guys uh like the episode, if you like the conversation, we love nothing more than to expand the chats to your friends and your dearest and dearest and mm. i think that's what makes these things worth it um mm. not about sharing the podcast but about talking to them about these things as well true your private spaces mm. um we're not asking to share the podcast you can if you want to would love that but we also want you to have these conversations as well with people around you um people always tell tell me oh like why are you always so deep and i'm saying what's, <laughs> what's, 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 what's <laughs> the alternative <laughs> um do you know how the close to complex life is um do you know how do you, do you know how crazy it is that you're just born and you have to navigate a whole host of 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 issues and culture and systems and social structures and psychology and sociology and nature and health and that's why people opt to just ignore it all man like yeah and i i don't blame them but yeah. you can't ignore everything for life if you want life that is worth mm. living um, and and the, more, the more you're part of it the more it becomes normal mm. which is what we're trying to do on the podcast make this a normality so, that we, so we're not too phased by depth mm. and we embrace mm. depth mm. And, and hopefully you guys do the same thing too mm. but yeah um, ladies and gentlemen thank you for sticking with us season 9 episode 1 fantastic I'm so happy this is finally here <laughs> after this, this time yeah, and thank you guys for waiting as well and thank Toby too for his work in waiting and getting <laughs> us up to speed that's it for me Goodbye, everybody. Take it easy. All right. Have a lovely evening, guys. Cheerio. And now, a personal note to you, our listeners, to you listening right now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the LOPO podcast. Now, we know that in our culture of 30-second content and quick sound bites, it makes it really hard to pay attention to longer-form discussions. So regardless of what brought you here, we are grateful for your time. Do give us a five-star rating and review if you like this episode. Also, be sure to continue the conversation with your friends, your family, and your colleagues. Another way to support us is by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. We release new episodes every Monday, but don't forget to follow us at the Yellow Peel Pod on Instagram and at Yellow Peel underscore Pod on Twitter to stay in touch with us during the week. Once again, folks, thank you for taking Yellow Peel with us today. I'm your co-host, Wally, as always. And right next to me is Toby. And we both wish you the very best in the coming weeks. Till next time, peace and love, people. Peace and love.